Skywatch, the novel, a look and read book by Derek Farmer. Chapter 7 Surprise. Everything was still. The dust settled. The smoke cleared, but still nothing moved. Then Dennis lifted his head. Polly lay next to him, face down. Dennis grabbed Polly's shoulder. Polly! He shook her. Polly, wake up! But Polly didn't move. Dennis rolled her onto her back. Her eyes were tight shut. He shook her again. Wake up, Polly! Please wake up! Suddenly, Polly's eyes flicked open. You were right, she said. It was one of theirs. Now you've had a lucky escape. Dr Simpson took off his stethoscope and dropped it into his bag. No lasting damage, rigging in the air perhaps. Best stay in bed today. Polly and Dennis were sitting side by side in bed. They were still shocked, but pleased to be the centre of attention. Any news of the plane? Dr Simpson asked Mr Jenkins. It crash-landed. Pilot was just unloading his bombs. Doubt if he even saw the children. No, no sign of him yet. Got the army out looking. Bad business, said the doctor. He wrote out a note for some medicine. Nothing too nasty, he told Polly and Dennis. Don't believe him, whispered Norman. It'll be horrible. Norman went straight off to the village to fetch the medicine. He was taking a shortcut through the churchyard when he saw them. Granger and Belling, deep in conversation. Norman tucked behind a gravestone. This was just what he had been hoping to see. He crawled forwards. But before he could get near enough to hear what the two were saying, they walked away. Keeping under cover, Norman followed them towards the church gate. Beyond, Norman could see Granger's car. Granger opened the car door and reached inside. He pulled out a brown paper package. He checked nobody was watching, then handed the parcel to Vivian Belling. Immediately, she slipped it into her bag and hurried away. That was enough for Norman. He couldn't wait to tell Polly and Dennis about it. What do you think could have been in that packet then? Polly asked. Could have been chocolates, Dennis suggested. Polly snorted. Don't be stupid. What would spies be giving each other chocolates for? Didn't seem stupid to Dennis. 
there could be secrets in inside them. That way, if they're caught, they just eat the evidence. Norman sighed. Sometimes Dennis's imagination ran away with him. Look, it doesn't matter what it was, Norman pointed out. They know each other. And that's the proof we were looking for. Now, all we need to do is find Granger's wireless transmitter, Polly agreed. She was right. If they were going to find that, then nobody would doubt that Granger and Belling were spies. That's a job for Mary, said Norman. I'll go and see her now. Mary was outside cleaning windows. Westbourne Hall had dozens of windows, and Mary had been cleaning them all day. There was still plenty left to do. Mary! Over here! Mary looked around. There was no one there. Then Norman's head popped up from behind the dustbins. Mary carried on with her work. Granger and Millington might be watching. You shouldn't come here, she told Norman. I had to, Norman hissed. It's important. We've got to find Granger's wireless for sending messages. It must be hidden. But before Mary could reply, the kitchen door opened and Millington stepped out. Norman ducked down behind the bins and Mary carried on as though nothing was wrong. Millington glared at Mary. Is that all you've done? she snapped. Mary said nothing. You'd better come in and get on with the evening meal, Millington told her. You'll have to finish the windows tomorrow. Millington slammed the door. As soon as she'd gone, Mary turned to Norman. I'll try and look, she said, but it won't be easy. When they're not here, they just lock me out. Norman just smiled. You can do it, he said. I know you can. Norman was down early the next morning. Amy was still building up the kitchen fire. Norman checked all around. Any post, Auntie Amy? he asked. Amy looked puzzled. Post? Not yet. Are you expecting something? Norman frowned. No, he said. The next moment there was a knock on the door. Perhaps that's Mr Jenkins now, said Amy as she hurried to open it. And it was Mr Jenkins. His voice boomed through the open door. Special parcel for young Norman, Mrs Hobbs. My goodness, said Amy. You'd better come in. But it wasn't Mr Jenkins who stepped into the room. It was a young woman. Amy had never seen her before, but she guessed who it was. Norman stared open-mouthed. Then he spoke a single word. Mam! Mrs Starkey held out her arms. Happy birthday, Norman! She smiled. Norman raced across the kitchen and hugged her. Amy knew just what to do. She put on the kettle. A cup of tea would work wonders. Several cups of tea later, 
Everyone was gathered round the table which was cluttered with a wrapping paper and presents. A rubber ball, a homemade balaclava, some crayons and a wooden plane. War or no war, I couldn't miss his birthday, Mrs Starkey was telling Amy. They say I could have today off as long as I worked an extra one next week. Amy poured another cup of tea. Anyway, Mrs Starkey carried on, I got as far as Bidwell Edge last night and the rest of the way this morning. Mr Jenkins had brought her out from the village in his car. It was just as well. She would never have walked it all with those presents to carry. Now there is one more thing, said Mrs Starkey. She placed the biggest parcel yet on the table. And I'm going to open this she told Norman. You put your fingers in your ears and shut your eyes. Norman did as he was told while Mrs Starkey opened the final present. When he opened his eyes again, he saw a huge decorated birthday cake with burning candles. Everyone sang happy birthday and Norman blew out the candles in one breath. Everyone clapped and cheered. Now, said Amy, picking up the bread knife. Who's having the first piece? Amy plunged the knife into the middle of the cape. There was a gasp of horror from Mrs Starkey. The centre of the cake had collapsed. There was nothing inside it. It was made of cardboard. Mrs Starkey was almost in tears. It's an old hat box, she explained, decorated to look like a cake. It was the best I could do, she sniffed. You just can't get the ingredients anymore. But but the candles are real. Norman patted his mother's arm. It's all right, ma'am, he said. It is. It's all right. Amy jumped to her feet and pushed Norman, Polly and Dennis out of the kitchen. You three get out of the way, she told them. And I'll make a birthday cake. Mike Johnson's jeep was just pulling up as the three children tumbled outside. Guess what, Mike? Polly shouted at. It's Norman's birthday! And his mum's come to see him, Dennis added. Well, that's quite a present, Mike grinned. Happy birthday, Norman! Mike was pleased it was Norman's birthday, but he felt bad about not bringing him a gift. Then he remembered he kept an old baseball glove in the back of the jeep. Perhaps that would do. He reached down and pulled it out. How about this as a present for me? he asked. Norman's face lit up. This was turning into a birthday to remember. He grabbed the glove. It's great, he told Mike. What is it? Mary was cleaning her fifth window of the day. You'll never make a window cleaner, Millington snapped. This side's filthy. She locked the back door. Granger was getting impatient. It looked as if the two of them were going into the village. Make sure they're all finished by the time we get back, Millington ordered. A couple of minutes later, the car disappeared down the drive and Mary was left on her own. Now it was her chance to look 
look for the wireless transmitter. She quickly swirled over the rest of the windows, then slid open the one she had unlocked earlier. She climbed into the house. Granger's bedroom was upstairs and at the front. That would be the first place to look. Mary hurried upstairs. Granger's bedroom was dark and spooky. A large desk was covered with papers. A huge bed was unmade. On the shelves were cases of stuffed animals. The room wasn't going to be easy to search. Mary began with the wardrobe. Then she searched through a cupboard and a bedside cabinet before turning to a large chest of drawers. She started at the top and worked her way down. By the time she got to the bottom drawer, she was beginning to despair. There was no sign of a wireless transmitter, nor anything else to suggest that Granger was a spy. And she was running out of places to look. It was then she noticed a suitcase beneath the bed. Mary reached under and slid it out. She was sure that this was going to be the place where the wireless was hidden. But when she opened it, her heart sank. The case was stuffed full of bars of soap, bottles of perfume, packs of nylon stockings and packets of cigarettes. It was then that Mary heard the sound of Granger's car coming up the drive. <gasps> oh no, she gasped. They're back! The car skidded to a halt at the front of the hall. Millington jumped out and there was no sign of Mary. Get the shopping, she shouted to Granger. I'll look for the girl. She ran up the front steps and unlocked the door. Mary, she shouted as she stepped into the hallway. There was no reply. She listened for a moment, but the house was silent. Millington hurried through to the back of the house and unlocked the door into the yard. She almost fell over Mary, who was sitting on the step, waiting to be let in. Mary looked up and smiled sweetly. That surely was a fine piece of cake, Mike Johnson licked his lips. He was sitting on the front of his jeep, watching Polly, Norman and Dennis take it in turns to use the baseball glove. Mrs Starkey was sitting next to him. Lucky you turned up when you did, she said. Mike shrugged. Came over this way to check up on a report about that German pilot. Amy was leaning against the gate. Have they not caught him yet? She sounded alarmed. Nothing to worry about, ma'am, said Mike. He's probably miles away by now. Mrs Starkey stood up. It was time for her to leave. She had a long journey in front of her, even though Mike Johnson had offered her a lift to the village. Mike took something from inside the jeep and offered it to Norman's mother. You deserve a present too, he said. The smile disappeared from Mrs. Starkey's face. Nylon stockings, she said. Where are these from? Mike knew that this was worrying her. They're, they're not black market, he said, though there's a heck of a lot of that stuff around, I know. We're even losing things off the base, but these are okay. They are from our PX shop. Mrs. Starkey smiled. 
In that case, thanks, she said and popped the stockings in her bag. Now I really must go. Amy, Polly and Dennis waved goodbye as the jeep pulled away, but Norman was too upset to watch. As the jeep turned onto the road, he raced back to the farmhouse and went straight to his bedroom. Half an hour later, he was asleep. It was the only way he could ease the pain. By the next afternoon, Norman felt better again. He had saved a piece of birthday cake to give to Mary, so Norman, Polly and Dennis set off for Westbourne Hall. As they reached the hideout, Polly noticed that the door was slightly open. I think Mary's already here, she said. That's one's in the Nazi, yelled Dennis. The three of them dived to the floor and scrambled in. Inside, they stopped, dead. Lying propped up in front of them was the German pilot. A Luger pistol in his hand and it was pointing straight at them.